We'll continue with our series this morning uh, on these metaphors in the Bible, and today is another great one. Today uh, we're talking about being a disciple of Christ. Now, does anybody know what the word disciple means? A follower, a learner, right? A student, a pupil, okay, is what a disciple is. And of course, when we study the Word of God, we a lot of times there are synonymous terms, like the apostles were disciples. Okay, everybody look at me for just a second. How many apostles were there? There were 12. Now watch this. But listen, the apostles were disciples, but not all disciples were apostles. Okay, so we need to understand that because there, were, there was, a, we'll look at that in the lesson this morning, but Jesus called out for a specific purpose uh, some individuals. But listen, everyone Jesus wants to be a disciple of his to be a follower of Christ. A couple verses we're going to use this morning by way of introduction out of the Gospel of John. John 8, 35, or 8, 31, excuse me. The Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Notice the phrase, which believed on him. That means that they put their faith in Christ. And it says here, here's what he said, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my what? disciples indeed. So look, a disciple is someone, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to continue, you're going to continue to study God's word all of your life. And then just a couple chapters later, John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have what? Love one for another. So look, a clear indication that we're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we love everyone. Did Jesus love everyone? Yeah, God, God certainly did, right? John 3, 16, God so loved the world, right? God loves everyone. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what color skin, what your dialect is. Look, God loves everyone. Jesus loved everyone because he's God. And so as we think about this, if we're disciples of the Lord, then Jesus says, that's how people are going to know you're one of my disciples is if you can love others the way I love everyone. And some clear verses here this morning about being a disciple, a learner, or a pupil of the Lord. Now, as we look at these metaphors, the one today is a, is a great one because here's what we see when we look at this analogy is that Jesus is in the role of a master teacher. There's never been a better teacher. Brother Chris and Brother Kenny did a great job this week, week during Vacation Bible School teaching these boys and girls. If you could have been here, uh, I think it was Tuesday night, Brother Chris put out all these live mouse traps on the floor here, and he blindfolded one of the teenagers. And he, and he actually verbally gave her instructions and she did not get her toe snapped in one of those mousetraps. It was amazing. All the kids, all the adults were riveted because they couldn't believe. that. It. Now, the, the best part was Brother Chris had an extra mousetrap in his hand. And as she was walking, he'd say, take two steps forward. And he'd, he'd snap the one in his hand. He'd go, Psh! And she thought she stepped on it. And then she realized that didn't hurt. And so she just kept moving. Listen, that, that's what God is saying is, is that you need to continue in my word because he's the master teacher, but we are his pupils, all right? So here you are this morning. You're in what class this morning? Sunday what? 
school. You know why we have Sunday school? Because we are to continue to learn the Word of God. See, Sunday school is not just for children. It's for adults as well. And so as we think about this this morning, we want to, we want to, our lives, the remainder of our lives, for as many days as God gives us, we want to be like Mary. Remember the story of Mary and Martha, how Martha was trying to do everything. She was vacuuming and she was ironing and she was doing all these things. And that's what the Bible says, right? And, and while she was doing all this, where was Mary? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, what was she doing? Was Mary lazy? No, she was sitting at his feet doing what? Learning, right? She was learning things from the Lord and about the Lord. And that's exactly the way we need to be in our lives because the Lord is eager to teach us. And listen, we need to be eager to learn. How many of you want to learn something this morning? I hope that's why you're here. I, I think it is. Maybe you came for the coffee and donuts. I don't know. But, but listen, we want to learn something this morning. So as we think about this aspect of being a disciple of the Lord, notice three things about a disciple. The first one is a disciple is called. Now, when you look in the Bible, there were 12 individuals that Jesus called. I won't go back, but you can go back in your Bible in the, in the gospel records. You can see where Jesus, he went to them. They were fishing and other things. And, and he says, he says, follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. So Jesus called them out. Now, remember the word church, okay? We use the English word church. The word God gave is ecclesia. And the word ecclesia, anybody remember what it means? A called out assembly, to be called out. So again, when you think about this, we are not apostles, but understand that every one of us as a disciple, as a part of the body of Christ, as a part of the church, we have been called out by God. Today, as I think about this matter of the Lord's not with us the way he was with Peter and James and John and Thomas and all the, the, those others, but the Lord is with us because when Jesus was here, he talked about how that he was going to go away, but he was going to send who? He was going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. So today, he is here with us because he has given us his Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit indwells all believers. Look in your notes there, two great verses out of Romans 8. Look at these verses. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God, look at these three words, dwell in you. Let's say those words, dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, but if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. So where's the Holy Spirit of God in the life of a believer? He's living inside of us, right? So look, remember that's why Jesus said, look, I'll never leave you. Well, he's not here physically, but he sent his spirit. And so notice as he calls us as disciples, what does he call us to do? He calls us to be with him. He wants us to be with him. And how is he with us? He is with us by his spirit. See, many times in our lives, as Christians, even, we look, we should allow God access to every, every aspect of our life, every area of our lives. But sometimes here's what we do is we kind of reserve certain parts of our lives, certain areas of our lives that, that we don't want anyone, including the Lord, to get to those areas. 
but we should give God unlimited access to our lives as I think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, he was faithful to his disciples. He was faithful. He's been faithful to us. But you remember what the disciples, what they promised the Lord? Uh, they, made a, they made a lot of little promises. One of those promises is that they would be faithful to him. Now, it's easy to say that when things are going good, is it not? But when things get a little difficult, that's when it's kind of, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if I was 100% clear on what I said. You know, we start retracting, going back a little bit. We may not verbalize it, but in our actions, we do that. And somebody said this, I love this little quote, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. God's going to test your faith. You know, this, this week, uh, listen, uh, I, I, I was praying like you that God would bless our vacation Bible school, and, and boy, wait till you hear some of what God did, but uh, listen, it was, it was above and beyond what your pastor was praying and, and thought God could do. He did above what, and, and I, said, I said, Lord, thank you for increasing my faith. Thank you for doing something in my heart. God's going to test as he did his disciples. Look, the time Jesus was with them, but, but the longer that he was with them, understand, the closer he was getting to Calvary. And as Jesus was getting closer and closer to Calvary, the time of testing was going to come in the life of his disciples. How many of you know that the Lord is coming back someday, right? Yeah. And how many of you know that the closer that return gets the more our faith is going to be tested. It's, we're going to be put to the test, folks. I'm, I, look, I, I, I'm not trying to be prophetic this morning, but I know this, that if we're going to live godly, then our faith, you know, this entire month has been a month of, of, of they've been celebrating. I, I, I lost track of it. I couldn't believe it. the other day on the news, they said it's been 50 years for the, for the, the pride movement. And just everything openly. And, and honestly, folks, the world we're living in today, you have to understand that our faith, now listen, our faith is not in us. Our faith is not in this church. Our faith is in God. It's in, it's in the truths of the Word of God. And as we consider this matter being a disciple, He has called us to be with Him, and the testing will come. Remember, remember how Jesus told His disciples, He says, look, He says, I'm going to go away. And remember what His disciples, they, they said, Lord, we would die for you. And then Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and He asked Him just to pray. And look, they couldn't even stay awake, much less uh, keep all the promises that they made to Him. And a lot of times we make promises to the Lord. And that's why Jesus said, listen to this, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. You know, this morning, anybody else struggle getting out of bed this morning? <laughs> Man, my old flesh said, just stay in that bed. You know, it's a, it's a good day if you stay in that bed. The flesh is weak. And, and, and later on, as Jesus continued his earthly ministry, he went from that garden. Of course, uh, Judas came with those that uh, he had betrayed the Lord. And, and so they came and they arrested uh, Jesus. And listen, when that took place, uh, this, this was a time where his disciples realized that this was going to be one of the greatest tests of their resolve as a disciple of the Lord. You know why? Because if they were going to say, I'm a follower of Jesus then people were going to identify them with Jesus. 
These people are Christians. Hopefully people at your workplace, they identify you with the Lord. It's very important that we understand this, and, and our faith is going to be put to the test. But look what happened with the disciples, the ones who promised the Lord, hey, look, we'll die for you. Look at Matthew 26, verse 56. The Bible says, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. All of them. Not one of them stayed around. A little later on in that same chapter, it says Peter, and it's just singling him out as one of the 12, Peter followed him afar off. See, Peter was allowing distance to come between him and the Lord. Folks, we should never allow ourselves to be distanced from the Lord. Keep yourself as close to God as you can. He's called us to be with him, but notice also as a disciple, he's called us to be like him. <laughs> Look, folks, that's the one thing that you have to understand is when you got saved, you became a Christian. The very word means to be like him to be like Christ, a little Christ. Look at, look at this verse in Luke 6:40. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now, don't, don't misunderstand that word perfect, because it's not like you and I think, without flaws, flawless, and so on. Notice what the word means. It means complete, one who is what he ought to be. Are you what you ought to be? Or can I say it this way? Are you who God saved you to be? Because you know why God saved you? He saved you to be like his son, Jesus. So look at a couple great verses here. Because as you think about being a disciple, we should be continually becoming more like him. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his own dear son. You know what that means? That when we look in the mirror, we should see Jesus. We shouldn't see ourselves. When people see us, they should realize there's something different about us. Look what the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 49. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. See, God, God's, we're in this earthly body right now. One day we shall be with him, but while we're on this earth, listen, I hope you understand how important it is that this world realizes what a Christian really ought to be like. And, and we ought to be more like him. I hope you're, you know, when I think about the, what the Bible describes as the fruits of the Spirit, you know, when you look at those fruits of the Spirit, I really believe when you add all those up, if you were to put them into a blender and blend them all together, I think what would come out is Jesus. Because every one of those typifies who our Lord is. And we need to have those, those fruits in our lives. We need to be conformed into the image. The songwriter wrote these words, listen to this. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. That's what the songwriter said. See, he understood that when God saved us and he called us to be his disciple, the reason he did that was so that we could be with him and that we can be like him. And so a disciple is called. But notice secondly, and this is where a lot of you are probably like, yep, I, I, this is something I can, I can relate to. 
Notice a disciple, secondly, is criticized. Anybody ever been criticized for being a Christian? Yeah, I think all of us have from time to time. If you've opened your mouth, talked to anybody about the Lord, I guarantee you that somebody has said something to you in a negative way. And when I think about, you know, the, the person that was probably criticized the most was Jesus when he was on this earth. Everywhere he went, there was always somebody scrutinizing what he was doing. When Jesus got around, and by the way, there were times, remember when Jesus, the Bible says that he was, he was, it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house, and that's the scene where they tore the roof off the house, and they let the man down that was paralyzed, and there was so much, look, there were so many people in the house, there, there was no, no way they could get their friend to Jesus. But you know, there were also some individuals that were there, not because they wanted to see Jesus, not because they wanted to know him or to be with him. They were looking for any opportunity to accuse him. And that's the way the Pharisees were. You know, everything Jesus did displeased the Pharisees somehow. And if you live for the Lord, there's a good chance that anything you do for the Lord is going to displease the people that you, you work with, the people that you live with, the people in this world. And when I think of Jesus, look, those Pharisees, there were many things that they didn't like what Jesus did. That they didn't like that Jesus uh, would not instruct his disciples not to eat certain things. Or they, they argued with him about a washing of the hands. And uh, uh, the one that really got them was when in John chapter 10 and verse 30, when Jesus said these words, I and my father are what? Are one that really got them? They 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 just that blew their gasket right there. They were highly upset that Jesus made that comment. Jesus taught them, and he, listen in his teachings, which God has preserved to our generation. Understand this morning that Jesus is teaching us that we, as Christians, as disciples, that we can expect criticism for being his disciples too. Now again, this isn't this isn't a negative part of the lesson. It's just reality, right? Look what it says in Matthew 5. Blessed are ye. What's another word for blessed? Yeah. So watch this. Keep that in mind when I read these two verses. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. What? Falsely. Look at these words. For my sake. What's the next word? Rejoice. So he says... Blessed are ye, or you should be happy. And he says, and rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Look, in other words, he's saying to us today, even though that was many, many years ago, to his disciples, he's saying, look, this is nothing new. They've always criticized my disciples. Anybody that's ever identified with me has always been scrutinized, has always been criticized. Hey, have you, have you ever read uh, in the Old Testament the prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, some of those minor prophets, the life that they, the persecution that they lived under? They were persecuted for the sake of Christ. See, a disciple is criticized, but notice disciples of Jesus are criticized two ways. One way that we are criticized is corporately. In other words, as a maybe a, a church or as a body of believers or as Christians, okay? 
We are, we are, now, it, it's, it's one thing when you're a part of a group because maybe you're not singled out. And, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But see, sometimes, well, here's what happens is, is that you'll see, even in the Bible, where as a group, corporately, they were criticized. Look at a couple of verses in Acts, chapter, first of all, chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says at that time there was a great persecution against the what? The church. And it says the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad. Now, we, if you know that passage, you know the, the text there, that was Saul, which became Paul. He was persecuting the church. He thought he was doing what was right, but God helped him. God changed his heart. God saved him. But understand, the church corporately was being persecuted. They were being criticized. Look at a couple chapters later, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Now, here's what you'll find is when you think about this criticism corporately of Christians, here's what I see is, is that people many times tend to judge individuals, and here's how they do it. They'll stereotype the entire group, okay? In other words, they'll throw everyone under the bus. You know, it's, it, it, it's sad when, you know, especially as a, as a preacher of the gospel, when you'll see an individual maybe make a mistake and it goes public, and so all preachers are thrown under the bus. They stereotype, but see, corporately, many times, we are criticized, and in the book of Acts, even the Apostle Paul, when, when they brought Paul before them, here's what they said about him. They said that Paul was a, the ringleader, look, listen to these words, he was the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, the word Nazarene there is synonymous with Christians, Bible-believing Christians, disciples of the Lord. So when they used that word and they said there, he's the ringleader of the sect, S-E-C-T, what they were really saying is, is that Christianity is a cult. There's people today, that's basically what they will tell people when they start. They'll say, you know, people that follow Jesus they are a religious cult. Listen, folks, can I tell you, cults don't follow the truth. Cults follow error. And there's a lot of religions in the world today that are cults, but Bible Christianity is centered around the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, they had it absolutely right. Paul was, at that time, he was the ringleader. God was using him to help people to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But understand, if you're going to identify with Christ, you're going to be a disciple of the Lord, then you will be criticized even corporately. Look what Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 4, 13. Look at this verse. Being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I mean, Paul says, that's how they view me. He's like, I, they look at me and they look at Christians just like we're, we're scum on the, on the bathtub that hasn't been scrubbed off. He says, we're the filth of this world. Listen, can I tell you, we, we as the Bible tells us in our first lesson in this series is God views us as salt and light. See, we're here so that people can know Jesus. Uh, we're not the filth of this world. 
we understand filth is caused by sin. And, and understand, as we think about this this morning, that we should not be concerned about the accusations that are brought against us. God has left us here for one reason, and that is that you and I, as disciples, should be living for Him. That's what the Lord wants us to do. Look at John 17, 15, and, and, and you probably have seen this verse, but He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. This is Jesus' prayer but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. See, as long as we're in the world, we should not be of the world. But listen, how will people ever hear the truth? How will they ever hear the gospel unless we tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ? But while we're here, we're going to be criticized. We're going to be criticized corporately. And, and as we're being criticized, what do we need to do? Listen, if we're criticized corporately, then we need to stand together corporately. You know, that's why many movements become so strong, because the people stand together. Uh, some of you probably, I didn't, I, I maybe watched like two minutes of either one of those democratic debates. I just, I have better things to do, like root canals, you know, <laughs> scrub the bottom of the toilet, you know, I, I have better things to do. And, and, and it's amazing because those were the first of those. And so here you had, I think it was 10 candidates both times. And, and each one of them, what they were doing was they were, they were boasting and bragging about themselves, who they are, their accomplishments. They were trying to make a name for themselves in that first debate. Now watch. You wait till they go to Michigan in about a month. Then they're going to put on the gloves. Then they're going to they're start to go at it. And, and they're not going to stand together as a party. They're, they're going to try to knock everyone else down so that they're the only one standing. See, if Christians don't stand together, even while we're being persecuted and criticized, then will this world ever know Jesus the way he intended? No. So, look, yes, we're going to be criticized. Get used to it. It's nothing new. But listen, here's the hard part is, secondly, is not only are we going to be criticized corporately, but we're going to be criticized individually. And you remember, Jesus had 12 disciples. Do you remember how many times Jesus singled out, by name, Peter? Remember what he said? He says, go tell my disciples and Peter. See, sometimes we're going to be singled out. I don't like, you know, when you were a kid and you did something wrong or maybe you didn't do something wrong, it's just something about it. I, I didn't like hearing my name from my parents, you know, because oftentimes it was, it was like, okay, what did I do now? You know, it's like, brother guy, if I stand out there in the hallway, if I have something I want to give somebody and I'll say, hey, can you come with me? As soon as we start to walk to my office, he says, oh, you're in trouble now, you know? There's just this connotation about it. And listen, as we stand for God as a Christian, look what it says in 2 Timothy 3.12, all that will live, how? Godly. Say the word, how? Godly. Notice, in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. Look, that's when it gets personal. When you, when I, go through persecution. When we're being criticized, look, I'm going to tell you, the biggest mistake you can do is try to seek friendship 
with the world to avoid persecution. Don't do that. Don't allow yourself to, to just look. Remember the struggle Peter had when Jesus was on trial for his life and Peter went over and he was warming his hands by the fire? Remember that? And they says, hey, you're one of his disciples. And what did he do? He denied it. They even said, hey, your speech berayeth you. And again, he denied it. See, sometimes individually we're going to be criticized. People are going to murmur against us. They're going to insist that we're one of his disciples. Look at, look at the verse here, Luke 5.30. The Bible says, But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples. Notice what they said. Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? You know what I say to that question? Yeah. So what's the big deal? How many of you hope some publicans and sinners walk in the doors today? You know, I mean, folks, how will people ever hear about Jesus? Now, if people want to criticize us for that, you know, remember they told Jesus he was a wine bibber. <laughs> I mean, people are going to falsely accuse you about everything. Here's a great verse for you to remember. It's not in your notes. This is just bonus. All right. This is extra. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Verse that's helped me throughout a lot of my days. Great peace have they which love thy law. Does anybody know the rest of it? And nothing shall offend you. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing. You get what that means? You ever heard the old saying, it's like water running off a duck's back. That's the way you need to be. Don't, don't take everything so personal to where you're like, oh, you know, I just can't believe that. Can't believe it said that about me, you know? Folks, listen, if I lived that way, I wouldn't be able to pastor a church. I'd go find uh, some, some land up in the hills of Montana and you'd never see me again. Understand that people are going to criticize us corporately. They're going to criticize us for being a disciple of the Lord individually. Hey, listen, there, probably outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was probably not a man more criticized than the Apostle Paul. And you know what Paul did when he was criticized? He stayed faithful to the Lord. And you know what you and I need to do? Stay faithful to God, even while you're being criticized. Look, it's wonderful to be called a disciple. It's also another thing to be criticized as a disciple. But listen, don't miss the third one this morning, and this is why we're here, is that we are, as a disciple, we are commissioned by the Lord. God's given us some tasks to do that while we're here, there's two things that he wants us to do. And these are very, very important. A disciple, first of all, is to learn. Well, who do we learn from? From Pastor Keeley? No. We learn directly from the Lord. See, Jesus taught his disciples, and this morning, I'm not teaching you what I want for your lives. I'm teaching what the Bible has to say. So we're still learning from the Lord today, directly from God's word. He taught his disciples, and I love as you study this, he taught them as he was teaching them to learn, there were some things Jesus taught them that he didn't teach the multitudes. See, there are benefits to being a child of God. Now, look at, look at one of these instances in Mark 4.33. Many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, 
he expounded all things to his disciples. Do you get the verse? Okay, here's what happens. Jesus teaches, and he crafted his teachings in such a way, the Bible uses the word here, it's a teaching style called a parable, and it, it's something that is teaching, a, it's an earthly meaning, but it, but it has a heavenly aspect to it. Jesus is teaching, and as he's teaching this, he teaches it, and then he pulls his disciples apart, and he goes, hey guys, are you ready? I'm going to give you the answer key. I'm going to tell you really what it was all about. See, he didn't share that many times with the multitudes, but he did share that with his disciples. And as we look at the Word of God, the disciples, look, one thing I did love about this group of guys was they wanted his teachings. They craved his teachings. How many of you like to study the Word of God? You know, do you crave the Lord to teach you something? Look at Matthew 13, 16, blessed are your eyes for they see. And look at this, your ears for they hear. For three years. You know what the disciples' responsibility was? Here it is, to listen and to learn. And you know what your responsibility to the Lord calls you home is? As a disciple, to listen and to learn. That's, that's our responsibility. And before Jesus went to, went to be with the Father, he taught them so many things. I, I love studying that part of the gospel records before Jesus went back to be with the Father. There were so many great things he taught. One of them, again, was about the Holy Spirit of God. For John 14, 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. In other words, folks, look, the learning process for a child of God, for a disciple, it's, it never ends. We should be learning until Jesus comes or till the Lord calls us home. So look, a disciple is commissioned for what? He is commissioned to learn and then watch. What do we do with what we've been taught? We're supposed to tell it to others. See, what good is it? it what good is truth if we don't communicate it? Now look, don't hoard it. Don't hang on to it. Give it out. Give it out liberally. That's why we have gospel tracts. Look, so that we can, we can sow the seed, scatter the seed, give out the truth everywhere we go. Where do we get that truth from the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible calls it the apostles' doctrine. Where did they receive it? From Jesus. So what are we doing? We're giving it out to everyone. Look in Luke chapter number 9. In these couple verses here in this chapter, he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach. So he, he, look, they're supposed to go out and tell everybody about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. He sent them out. As, as they had spent time with him, he sends them out to tell everyone what he had taught them. Do you ever share things that God teaches you with other people? You know, it, it's kind of a neat thing when God shows you something. For me, a lot of times, it's, it's like I found something that no one ever found before in the Bible. And it's like, I can't wait to go tell somebody. And sometimes I'll tell it to them, and they'll kind of look at me like, yeah, you didn't know that? I'm like, well, I didn't, but God taught it to me. I just thought I'd share it with you, you know? And, and, and so the Lord wants us to do that. We have a responsibility to go into the world with the truth. Look, a lot of us know what's called the Great Commission, right? 
And then when you look in one instance in Matthew chapter 28, here's what he says. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So look, he's commissioned us. He sent us forth to go into all the world with the gospel, to pass on the good news. Look at Matthew 10. We saw this verse last week in our message. The Bible says, Whoso therefore shall confess me. In other words, tell others about me. Jesus says, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you deny me, Jesus said, I'll deny you before my Father. So what does the Lord want us to do? He wants us to tell, go and tell it on the mountain, the songwriter wrote. Tell people about the Lord. You know, the, the guy that helped me probably more than anyone in the area of soul winning when I was out in California, Brother Jerry Furso, he used to always say this, people aren't going to get saved unless you ask them the question. You've got to tell people about the Lord. See, it's one thing to learn, to be taught as a disciple. But the other part of the commission is, is to go tell somebody. And as Jesus told them, he says, I want you to confess. I want you to declare me openly. I want you to profess your faith before others about me. And as disciples, we have a commission. And that commission is to bring people to the Lord, not to hinder people from coming to Christ. That's one of the things we did this past week with Vacation Bible School was we encourage boys and girls, you know, come to Jesus. Now, we dealt with, you know, look, uh, to me, it's a very delicate thing when you're dealing with children. And, and I don't want anyone to have some false assurance of their salvation. So when we gave the invitation, you know how kids are. Uh, Brother Chris said he went back there one night and there was a whole group of little bitty kids that came back. And he says, hey, why would you come back here tonight? Because usually you start with a question. You don't want to lead them because they'll agree with everything you say. And Brother Chris said, why would you come back here? And they said, because we want to play some games. That's not what an invitation's about. So Brother Chris realized, by the way, I'm always glad when a heart is tender enough to respond, even if they don't really fully understand, I never discourage someone. I just soon see a little boy or girl come two, three, four, five times, or however long it takes until they finally do understand. See, we want to help people come to the Lord. As disciples, look, it's a wonderful thing to be a disciple. You know why? Because we've been called to follow the Lord. And we've, look, there are going to be times in your life, it's probably already happened, you're going to be criticized. But understand this, that He's commissioned us. And our commission is that we are to listen to Him and then we're to go tell others what he has taught to us. I hope that's your heart's desire. And, you know, as I studied this week for this lesson, here's what I find is there's really two distinct characteristics that you find in a disciple. And one, we, we read about it, is that because of what God is doing in our lives, we should be rejoicing, even if we are being criticized. So one is rejoicing, and the second one is we should be bearing fruit. Because the more people we tell about Jesus, the more people should be putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the whole reason we're here to be a disciple. Remember, look here, you're not following a man, you're not following a church, you're not following a movement, you're following the Lord Jesus Christ. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. All right? Well, Lord bless you this week. 
We have a celebrity with us this morning, Brother David's birthday's this week. Happy birthday, Brother David. Let's wish Brother David a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Brother David. All right. We'll get started here in about 15 minutes with our main service. All right. Thank you.